0: All right, let's ask you guys if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me for our Scripture reading for our sermon this morning. We are in Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read together verses 28 through 32. Two weeks ago, we finished up our, our series on the one-anothers, the ten one-another commandments of Scripture. And this week, and next, and after that, who knows, we are going to uh, look at a couple of passages that help us to take what we've learned in that series, and there was a, admittedly a lot packed into that series, and take a couple of passages, both in Matthew this week and next, and see how we can think about ourselves in relation to God's commandments. Think about how we can apply God's commandments to our lives. In Matthew chapter 21, in verses 28 through 32, our passage this morning, this is the parable of the two sons. Now, as soon as I say parable of the two sons, most of you would probably think prodigal son. There once was a man who had two sons. And, you know, Luke does this to Matthew all the time. Luke's just a better storyteller. So if Matthew has a has a parable. Luke says, I can do it better. And so we usually remember Luke's versions. You know, poor Matthew. Matthew's not bad, but Luke's just better. Uh, So Matthew has a parable about a man who once had two sons. And so we're going to look at Matthew's two sons parable this morning. So I'm going to ask if you'll please stand for the reading of Holy Scripture. Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. This is God's holy, inspired, authoritative word for us, his people. And the word of God says, What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let's ask him to bless our time in this word today. Father, we ask and pray that you would bless not only the reading of your holy, mighty word, but now that you would bless indeed the preaching of this word. May I get out of the way of your word. May I decrease that you may increase. And may your truth, your word, sound forth from this pulpit today. May we hear from you, not from a mere man, but from the living God. Speak, O Lord, and open our hearts to receive all you have to say. We ask it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. And you may be seated. This morning's sermon is titled The Delayed Choice Experiment. Now, I like physics, I'm not good at physics. But I do enjoy learning about it. I have an utterly, I have an utter novice's knowledge of physics. But I find it fascinating. And one of the experiments, a famous experiment in physics is called the Delayed Choice Experiment. So all I'm doing is taking that name and applying it to this little experiment, this little thought experiment that Jesus does with the religious leaders, the chief priests and the elders who he's dialoguing with in Matthew 21. The delayed choice experiment. Before I get to Jesus' delayed choice experiment, I want to illustrate what it's like with a little experiment of my own. I want you to imagine two married couples in the same scenario. Two married couples. Here's the scenario. The wife is going out for a few hours and she asks her husband to, to do a household chore while she's gone. Honey, I'm going to go out for a walk at Hibernia. I'm going to go to Target for a little while. I'm going to go to the coffee shop. Will you do the dishes? Will you vacuum, take out the trash? Something. Fill in the blank. Some household chore. All right. Husband number one. When the wife asks him to do this, he outright refuses. No, I don't want to do the household chore, okay? It's my day off. I just want to sit in my chair, watch a game, watch a video, go do my hobby. No, I don't want to do the chore. He just refuses. And the second husband in our scenario, he agrees. Oh, absolutely, honey, of course, no problem. Yeah, you you know what? Go out, enjoy yourself, treat yourself, have a good day, and when you get back... It'll be done. No problem. Go have a good day. Now, she leaves. First husband in this scenario, after she leaves, you know, he refused. But after she leaves, he thinks, hey, you know what? That was pretty rude. I mean, it's just one little chore. Even if it takes 30 minutes, what's the, what's the harm? Got, I can 30 minutes, it'll be done. I got the whole rest of my day. I was a jerk. You know what? I feel bad, I'm going to go do it. And so the first husband feels bad, regrets what he said, he does the chore. The second husband, who said, absolutely, honey, I'd love to, he gets caught up in what he's doing. He's like, 30 minutes, I'll do it later. I don't have to do it right this second. He gets caught up in what he's doing, and he absolutely forgets to do it. And when he hears his wife's key in the doorknob, his head pops up like, oh no. I didn't do it. (laughs) And now, oh boy, I've really blown it. Husbands, am I preaching to anybody today? Now, husband number one said no, felt bad later, and did it. Husband number two said, I'm happy to do it, forgets all about it, never does it. So here's the question. Which one is the good husband? Maybe a more illuminating question would be, who has the happy wife? (laughs) I'm going to give the altar call right now. (laughs) That is the delayed choice experiment. Two answers, and then later, they have a choice to make. Will I do it or will I not? That's the delayed choice experiment that Jesus puts to the religious leaders who opposed him. Now, in our parable, Matthew 21, 28-32, the father of these two sons represents God. And going to work in the vineyard is obedience to God's will. The first son stands for all the notorious sinners in Israel. And you see who Jesus has in mind in verses 31 and 32. He talks about the tax collectors and the prostitutes. These were known, notorious people who were viewed as the sinners in Israel. The first son stands for them. Now, the other son in our parable, he stands for the religious leaders that Jesus is telling this parable to. And you can see that in verse 45. Jesus, after he tells the parable of the two sons, he tells a second parable. And then in verse 45, Matthew says, When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. That's right, Sherlock. He's talking about you. First son stands for all those notorious sinners in Israel. And the second son stands for the religious leaders that he's telling the parable to. And the punchline of the parable is that God prefers the first son over the other one. God would rather have a notorious sinner who later repents than a religious hypocrite who always says yes, but never actually does what he's told. And so from this parable, here's the big idea this morning. Here's the main point. Because God prefers a repentant sinner over a religious hypocrite, we must rid ourselves of all our self-righteousness. And to unpack this idea this morning, we're going to compare and contrast the responses of these two sons. And there are three points of comparison and contrast to see. First, we're going to look at the two initial replies to the father. Second, the two later reactions of these sons. And then finally, the two final results of their choices. So let's begin with the two initial responses. This is pretty straightforward. The first son outright refuses to do the will of the father. You see this verse, uh, verses 28 and 29. A man had two sons and he went to the first son and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. The first son Refuses, outright refuses. We can call him the rebellious son. You see, the tax collectors and the prostitutes that this son represents, those notorious sinners in Israel, they are the ones who openly rejected God's law. They're the ones that God's word comes to them and they just outright refuse to do it. No, God, I will not obey. And so they live a life in rebellion. Against the word of God. Intentionally, consciously, they say no to God's will. And in this first son's reaction, Jesus reveals to us the nature of unbelief. What does unbelief look like? Unbelief's in our hearts. Faith and and non-faith, faith and unbelief, those are in our hearts. You can't see those. So how can you tell which one's a believer and which one's not? You have to look at what results, what comes out of the heart. And Jesus reveals to us the nature of the unbelieving heart. This son says, I will not in the ESV, which is extremely literal to the point of being far too weak. It's just just two words in Greek, and it means I will not. Very, very literally. But in the context of the parable, you need to bring out a little more of the... I don't know, of the punch and feel of this. He means, son, will you go work in the vineyard today? No, I don't want to. I'd rather not. Not interested, dad. That's what it means. No, I definitely don't want to do that. That That's the last thing I want to do, and I'm not going to do it. Bye, dad. Someone else can go to the vineyard. My brother, go talk to him. It just, it, it, the ESV is completely literal, but without giving you that sense of, 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 of being there and watching the sun. Like he's not, you know, no father, I shall not go into the vineyard. No, he's saying, dad, no, I don't want to do it. He flat out refuses. And here, this, it's a lack of desire. That's what we're getting at. I do not want to do your will, God. A lack of desire to do God's will That's the nature of the unbelieving heart. That is a mark of being lost. Of not knowing the Lord. Your heart has no interest in obeying the word of God. In doing the will of the Father. Don't want to, not interested, leave me alone, I'm not going to do it. That's the nature of the rebellious, unbelieving heart. Now, the other son, he enthusiastically agrees. If the first son who outright refuses is the rebellious son, this son who enthusiastically agrees, we can call him the religious son. He jumps at the father's command. And in fact, in Greek, you can see his response is kind of theatrical. Now, in, in verse 30, it says, I go, sir which is just too bland to me. He really is, in Greek, you can kind of see it, he uses the first person pronoun I, and then he says Lord. I, Lord. It's almost like, I, I, Captain, you got it. Yes, sir, right away, sir. You say jump, I, you know, I say how high. What this makes me think of is is an answer that I gave on a job application years ago. Uh, I was applying to work at a retail store, a bookstore, Lifeway Christian store. And under availability, I wrote, it's your world, I just live in it. (laughs) You know, we were moving to a new town. I was like, I'm just going to be a name on a screen. I need to stand out somehow. So that was my idea. That that was my answer. I I actually got that job. <laughs> I got that job. Uh the in the interview, the manager, his name, uh his name is Aaron, and Aaron, uh, he's he's going thumbing through my pages and he says now now Wesley, are you the one who put It's your world I just live in it under availability? And I said, "Yes, sir, that was me." And uh and he said, "Why?" <laughs> That's that's not actually an answer to the question. I still need to know when you can work. And, uh, and I'm like, well, I was just trying to make myself stand out. And he's like, well, you did. And he's like, so can you literally work anytime? I said, I can literally work any day, any shift. Please hire me. And I got it. <laughs> so that's a theatrical response. Yes, I'm available anytime. It's your world, God. I just live in it. Now... What would what would have happened to me if I had put that on my application, I had assured him I was available any day, any shift, and then I get my schedule, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, Mondays are no good, and um, yeah, and Tuesday, I can't know. Tuesdays are kind of tight, and Wednesday, I've got other stuff going on. Uh, maybe first thing Thursday, but not past noon, And then, and then I was calling out or showing up late. He would say... Are you kidding me, Wesley? You put on your application that basically I'm God. <laughs> it's my world. You just live in it. And you're saying no to every shift I give you. That's kind of what's going on here. He gives this, this second son gives this big theatrical, I, Lord, yes, sir, anytime I'm in the vineyard, you name it. And he never goes. So of our two sons, of our first two initial replies, which son gave the right reply? I mean, pretty clearly the second son said the right thing. When, when the father says, son one, son two, go into the vineyard, the right answer when dad says go to the vineyard is not, no, the answer is yes, right away, sir. Now the second son gave The right answer. But there's clearly a problem, right? There's obviously a problem. Both sons go back on their word. Both sons go back on their word because they each have two very different reactions than what they initially said. So this is our second point now, these two later reactions. One said no and later went and did it. One said yes and never went and did it. And from the contrast of these two later reactions, we learn two important points from Jesus. First, Jesus puts both of these sons on the same level. He puts them both on the same level. Before the the first son changes his mind... Okay, before the first son changes his mind and goes into the vineyard. Who's in the vineyard? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody's in the vineyard. One said no, one said yes. And then if you'd walked by the vineyard, you wouldn't have seen either of them. Nobody's in the vineyard. They're both disobeying the father. They're both sinners. What comes out of their mouth is irrelevant. Who's in the vineyard is the point. Talk is cheap. Actions, behavior, doing what you say. That's what's important. Nobody's in the vineyard. They're both on the same level. They're both sinners. They're both disobeying the Father. Jesus exposes to us the twin sides of sin. The two types of sinners in the world. There's the first son who's the honest rebel. He said no and then he went and did not go. He's honest about it. I don't want to go and I'm not going. He's an honest rebel. The other son is the religious hypocrite. He pretends to obey. And he judges people like the first son. But if you look at his actions, you'll never catch him in the vineyard. Both sons are sinners. The second son thinks he gets a pass because he gave the right answer on the test. And he thinks that's what obedience is, saying yes to God and leaving it at that. But neither one of them are actually doing the will of the Father. There's the honest rebel who will not obey. And then there's the religious hypocrite who says he will obey and still doesn't do it. And the question this morning is, which one are you? Which son do you tend to resemble more? Are you more of the hard hearted, no, I'm not doing it type? Or are you more of the, oh, yes, God, I know that I should do that and I will do that, I promise? And never, ever get around to obeying. Which type of son are you? That's the first important point we learn from these two different reactions. Jesus puts both of these sons on the same level. One gave the right answer, one gave the wrong answer. But neither of them are obedient. They're just disobedient in different ways. Now the second important point we learn from this contrast that Jesus shows us is this. Jesus shows both sons the path to righteousness. He puts them on the same level and then he shows them both the one path that leads to righteousness. Something in this parable has changed. It's the first son. The first son, in verse 29, it says, He answered, I will not, but afterward he changed his mind and he went The first son has a change of heart. He changes direction and he gets to work in the vineyard. And the other son never does. Why? Jesus tells us in verse 32. Look at 32. He says, For John, speaking of John the Baptist, John came to you in the way of righteousness, or with the way of righteousness, showing you the way to righteousness. John came in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. John and Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, proclaiming the path. To righteousness. All are sinners, they proclaim, and those who make the delayed choice to repent and believe the good news shall be saved. Both sons hear the message, but only one makes the right response. Consider the first son's response to the gospel. We learn in verse 29 that he changed his mind. That was the first step in the son's later reaction. He changed his mind. Verse 29, And he answered, I will not, but afterward he changed his mind. And that means he repented. It means he felt regret about his choice. He felt remorse and he changed his mind. And to me, when I was thinking about this, I picked, to give you some more insight about me, I'm not as bad as I used to be, but for a long time, um, when we would go to a restaurant and I would order something new and it wasn't good, it would ruin my whole evening. (laughs) This is why when we, you know, if you ever go eat with me somewhere uh, and it's a a restaurant I like, I will get the same thing I always get. Because I know it's good and I will not be disappointed. Okay? And... I'm picturing, like, the time, sometime that I go to a restaurant, and I order something that, I say, oh, that sounds really good, and I actually don't, didn't know quite what I was ordering, because I'm in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that sounds like something from, no, it's not. It's not, like, back home. And I, and I'm like, what is this? What is this? And I start eating it, and I'm like, I mean, it's okay, but, I mean, I just, oh, it's just so de- depressing and disappointing. Like, I'm spending money, I, I drove here, oh... And it's just, I really have regrets. I wish I could go back and, and, and do a redo. Can I have the menu again? Can we, can we rewind the tape? And can I try this again? I really botched it. And I'm imagining this son, he's later on, he's thinking, man, I was a jerk to dad. Man, what was wrong with me? Why did I do that? Why was that my response? Why was my heart so hard to, to doing what he said? Why would I treat him like that? And he felt remorse. And you know, that's what sin's supposed to do. It's supposed to leave a bad taste in your mouth. If you're a believer. And this is what happens to him. He has remorse over his choice. He regrets what he ordered. It's not what he thought it was going to be. And he wakes up one day and he realizes where he is. He's in sin. He's in rebellion against sin. The will of God. And he changes his mind about that. Now he has regret. Now he has remorse. Now he turns around and goes the other way. He changes his mind. The second thing this first son did is he believed. He believed. Verse 32. John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. This first son Puts his trust in the gospel message. Jesus and John come proclaiming, here's the way to righteousness for unrighteous sinners, honest rebels like you. This is the way. Change your mind and put your faith in the good news of this gospel. And the the first son did that. He believed the message. He put his faith and trust in Christ and his message. And the last thing this first son did was, He went. He went. Verse 29. He answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and he went. He began to walk in new obedience to the will of the Father. That's how you can tell that he changed his mind and that he believed. Because later that day, he was in the vineyard. And that's the proof but he changed his mind. He said no, he walked away, and now he's in the vineyard doing the will of the Father. He changed his mind, he believed, and he began to walk in new obedience. But then the second son, he said yes, and yet he still refuses. Verse 32 And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. He does not think he needs to change his mind. He gave the right answer. He's the one who says, he always says yes to God. I don't need to change my mind about anything. I have nothing to repent of. I already said yes to God. He's self-righteous. The first son is unrighteous. The second son is self-righteous. And they're both on the same level and they both need the gospel. Twin sides of sin, unrighteousness and self-righteousness, and they're both just as lost. Self-righteousness is a terrifying thing and full of danger. For consider now our last point this morning. The two final results of the sons' responses. Look at verse 31. It says, this is the punchline of the parable. Verse 31, which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you do. The first son gets into the kingdom ahead of the other. The one who said no but later repents, he gets into the kingdom before the second son who always says yes and thinks he needs no repentance. Jesus makes it clear that God prefers the first son over the other. You see God would rather welcome into his kingdom a notorious sinner who repents than a self-righteous religious hypocrite who never thinks he needs to repent. Jesus says in Luke 15:7 there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who never need to repent. God rejoices more over the honest rebel who repents and believes and begins to walk in new obedience over the other. People like the other son, that second son, they are turned away from the kingdom. Look at verse 43. Therefore I tell you, Jesus says, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. The kingdom is for those who are in the vineyard, laboring to produce the fruits of the vineyard. Those who are doing the will of God. Or as Jesus says terrifyingly in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name, Lord? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You who always said, yes, I'll go to the vineyard, Father, and never, ever go. The kingdom will be taken from you, Jesus says. And it will be given to those who are in the vineyard producing its fruits. Now, working in the vineyard is not what saves you. You're not saved by your obedience. It doesn't earn you the kingdom. No, working in the vineyard is merely the evidence that you have repented. It's the non-negotiable evidence, the fruit, the proof that you have believed the gospel. That you have rid yourself of all self-righteousness. As we close this morning, ask yourself this question. Search your hearts. Are you in the vineyard? Does your walk match your talk? We've talked a lot about the specifics of God's commandments in terms of these one another's over the last several weeks I don't think anybody here would say with fists clenched, no, I refuse to do what you say. I refuse to love one another, be at peace with one another, welcome one another, honor one another, encourage one another. No, not doing it. No, most of us, what we're doing is saying, yes, that's what Scripture teaches. Yes, God, I'll do it. And then never going into the vineyard. Maybe we think we don't have to. Are you clinging? Are you clinging to the last shreds of your own self-righteousness today? Or are you like that first son? Maybe you are willfully refusing to do the will of the Father. The good news this morning is Jesus came to call both the unrighteous and the self-righteous to repentance. He came to teach us the path to true righteousness that only comes through the gospel. And behold here, my fellow sinners, (laughs) behold the mercy of God to such sinners as us. No matter your initial response to the Lord, Jesus is calling you today to make that delayed choice. He has shown you from His Word today which way you should choose. Now, will you believe Him? Will you change your mind and believe His Word? And will you go And labor in his vineyard. Let's pray. Father we thank you so much for the power of your word. We thank you especially for the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Who never pulls his punches. Who always shoots straight with us. Who always tells us the hard truths. Whether we want to hear them or not. And we thank you so much for that. We thank you for the example of Jesus' wisdom and teaching in these parables. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us today which son we more often resemble. Do we have hard hearts or have we convinced ourselves that it was enough to just say the right answer and then how we live afterwards doesn't matter? Have we believed the lie that all we had to do was pray the prayer and walk the aisle And mean it real hard one time years and years ago. And now our ticket's punched and it doesn't matter whether we're in the vineyard. Lord, rebuke us where we need to be rebuked. Remind us of the truth that we've heard from your word today. May we carry it with us. And may you write your truth upon our hearts. And may we search ourselves today and... Rid ourselves of the last vestiges of our own self-righteousness. And may we cast ourselves upon the arms of an almighty savior. Who cannot fail us. And who has given us gospel promises that will never leave us disappointed. May we change our minds, regret and repent our past choices but not to dwell on them and not to despair over them, but to give them over into the mercy of the gospel and to see them cleansed, washed away, and forgiven by the blood of our Savior. And may we see ourselves united to him, made right in him. And then may we go with confidence that the kingdom is ours by grace through faith alone, only because of Christ and the mercy promised to us in his blood, May we so trust that promise that we understand we owe you everything and it's our joy to get busy in the vineyard from sunup to sundown, to work in your kingdom, to say, Lord, it is your world. I just live in it. Show me what you want me to do and I will do it. Make us into those people, Lord for your name's sake and for your glory and for our greater good, we ask it through Christ our Lord. Amen.